This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hi, folks. Just a quick announcement. I'm trying to grow our listenership, so I hope you'll share Kick-Ass News with two of your friends this week, or better yet, share it with all of your friends on your social media. And if you'd like to pitch in and become a part of what I'm doing here, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com slash kickassnews. Whatever you can do to support the podcast is appreciated, and it shows me that you value this little show that I put out every week. Thanks for listening, and now, enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass News. When I was just a kid, the funniest show on television to me was The Carol Burnett Show. Long before I was old enough to stay up to watch Saturday Night Live or Johnny Carson, Carol Burnett introduced me to the mayhem and hilarity of sketch comedy. Who could possibly forget her soap opera parody as The Stomach Turns, or the skit called The Family, which was later spun off into the television series Mama's Family with her co-star Vicki Lawrence? and the ones where she played Queen Elizabeth with Harvey Corman as her king, both of them constantly foiled by the ridiculously funny Tim Conway as a wisecracking palace guard. And then there were the movie spoofs. Oh, the movie spoofs. With send-ups of films like Casablanca, Double Indemnity, From Here to Eternity, Mildred Pierce, Sunset Boulevard, Jaws, and of course, probably the most famous sketch of all, called Went With the Wind, the takeoff on Gone With the Wind that featured Carol Burnett as Scarlett O'Hara wearing that famous green velvet dress with the curtain rod still left in it. The Carol Burnett Show ran for 11 seasons on CBS, winning 25 Primetime Emmy Awards along the way. In 2007, it was listed as one of Time Magazine's 100 Best TV Shows of All Time, and in 2013, TV Guide ranked The Carol Burnett Show number 17 on their list of the 60 greatest shows of all time. Carol Burnett starred in the original Broadway production of Once Upon a Mattress, for which she received a Tony Award nomination, and The Gary Moore Show on television before getting her own TV show. In addition to the original Carol Burnett show, she starred later in the sketch comedy series Carol Burnett and Company and a revival of the Carol Burnett show in the early 90s. She's had many memorable guest appearances on television, including the Jack Benny program, The Lucy Show, Gomer Pyle, Get Smart, Here's Lucy, Sesame Street, The Sonny and Cher Show, The Muppet Show, All My Children, Magnum P.I., The Larry Sanders Show, Mad About You, Desperate Housewives, Glee, and Hawaii Five-O. Along with her television specials like Julie and Carol at Carnegie Hall and later Julie and Carol Together Again, both of which co-starred her dear friend Julie Andrews. There was also Carol Plus Two, Sills and Burnett at the Met, Dolly and Carol in Nashville, Burnett Discovers Domingo, and Carol, Carl, Whoopi and Robin, in addition to television movies that included Eunice and Plaza Suite and TV productions of musicals Once Upon a Mattress and Calamity Jane. Some of her film credits have included The Four Seasons, Annie, and Noises Off, Carol Burnett is the recipient of seven Emmy Awards, six Golden Globes, a special Tony Award, a Peabody Award, 
the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor, the Screen Actors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She has a new book out. It's a charming behind-the-scenes memoir about her 11-year run with The Carol Burnett Show. It's called In Such Good Company, 11 Years of Laughter, Mayhem, and Fun in the Sandbox. And today, Carol Burnett sits down with me to reminisce about some of the best times she had on The Carol Burnett Show. She'll share stories about the spectacular ensemble cast, including Harvey Corman, Tim Conway, and Vicki Lawrence, including which one she almost fired and which one could always crack her up in front of the cameras. She'll talk about the boys' club that was television in the 1960s and 70s. She'll reveal which comedy sketch she wished she hadn't done and how the classic Gone with the Wind spoof came about. She'll also talk about a prank she played on the producers and crew during the Q&A portion of the show and some of her favorite questions from the audience, plus some advice for young comedic actors and some exciting news about her big return to network television. Coming up with the delightful Carol Burnett in just a moment. Today I'm sitting down with Emmy, Golden Globe, and Tony Award-winning actress and comedian, the incomparable Carol Burnett. She has a new behind-the-scenes memoir about The Carol Burnett Show called In Such Good Company, 11 Years of Laughter, Mayhem, and Fun in the Sandbox. And also, I want to congratulate you on your new TV show. Oh, thank coming you. Up. <laughs> thank That's you. exciting. Thank you. It's um, uh, actually we're doing a pilot, but uh, okay. And uh, Amy Poehler is one of the producing wow. entities. Yeah, for it. Yeah. I have such fond memories when I was a kid. You were probably my first exposure to television comedy and certainly sketch comedy. No kidding. Oh. And I was probably on the tail end, I imagine, of the series, uh, the end of the seventies. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, I have such fond memories Thank of your you. show. Um, when did you first realize that you were funny? Well, I don't know. Um, I, I was very quiet in school. Really? Yeah. In fact, I wanted to be a journalist. Okay. And I was editor of my uh, Hollywood High School newspaper. And uh, so uh, the chance came for me to go to UCLA. And I was going to major in journalism. But they didn't have a major Okay. In journalism. So I got on the, uh, the Daily Bruin, the school uh, newspaper, and then I looked through the catalog and they had um, a theater arts English as a major. And so I thought, well, I'll take that and then I can, uh, uh, you know, take the playwriting courses and things like that that they had there and still be on the Daily Bruin. But I didn't realize until I signed up for it that if you major in theater arts at UCLA, you have to take an acting course, a scenery mm. course, mm -hmm. costumes, all of that stuff as a freshman. So I, I was nervous. I had taking an acting course and having to get up in front of your st fellow students in the class and do a scene. And so I did a scene and uh, it was a comedy. I just had a small part in it and um, they laughed. <laughs> and I thought, I like that feeling. Yeah. I, I think maybe so I started getting more and more involved in mm -hmm. doing uh, performance 
and uh, it just kind of evolved that way. And so when I finally went to New York and got on a couple of television shows, I got letters from kids I'd gone to school with who said, is that you? Is that you that I went yeah. to school with? You know, because I was very quiet. I was a very good student yeah. and quiet. Yeah, and I guess people wouldn't suspect that from the roles you've played. I know. Like your breakout <laughs> role was uh, Once Upon a Mattress right. on Broadway, yeah. which got you noticed by the television That's executives. Right. Mm -hmm. When you first signed on to do the show with CBS, mm -hmm. the CBS execs, were, I guess, were pushing you to do a sitcom. Mm -hmm. Am I right that they thought that America could handle a sitcom with a female lead, but not a variety show headed up by a woman? That's right. But I had a, a very wonderful clause in my contract from CBS uh, that said that if I wanted to do a comedy variety hour show, I would all I had to do was push the button, and they would have to put it on the air whether they wanted to or not. That was some good contract, I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You got quite yeah. an attorney for you there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when I decided to push the button, they had forgotten about it because it, uh, five years had passed, and it was a 10-year contract. So they said, oh, Carol, no, come on. You know, it's a man's game. It's Sid Caesar, it's Milton yeah. Berle, it's yeah. Jackie Gleason, mm -hmm. now it's Dean Martin, and mm. you know, we've got this great little sitcom we'd love you to do called, get this, here's Agnes, and you can just <laughs> picture it. And I said, but variety is what I know, because I'd done yeah. the Gary Moore show, and I want to do sketches, I want to have guest stars, I want to have music, dancing, just complete, and they had to put us on the air. If I hadn't had that contract, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about this now. <laughs> yeah. You come from a theatrical background on Broadway, and mm -hmm. the show was more theatrical than TV as we know it now. Right. You had old school showbiz writers. You yeah. had a live orchestra. and It was very piece. much old, yeah, old yeah. school show business. Yeah. Is it sad to you on some level that we've lost that entire form of the musical me, variety yeah, it's show. It's sad to me on any level. Yeah. Because it was it was real show business. Yeah. You know, and we had such a good time and you know, twenty eight piece orchestra, my gosh. You don't yeah. you won't see that today. They they would never spend the kind of money. Yeah. You know, that uh, and back then it was a lot less expensive than it would be today. So right. you you would not see that type of production anymore today. Yeah. Because they wouldn't spend the money. Yeah. And I think that it comes across on the show because the just the energy that you yes. must have gotten from having a live orchestra, a live audience. Mm -hmm. You did almost all of this in one take. We you did. Didn't, we yeah, did two you shows. Did it straight through. We did two shows on Friday, one at five o'clock and right. one at seven or eight o'clock. And we take both, you know, just for a safety and but with different audiences. And you know. am I correct that the first one you would pretty much play it straight by the script and the second one would be the one that you could kind of have fun with? Right. You right. and the cast. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, we didn't uh, do two. It wasn't until Tim Conway got on this show. He wasn't a regular on the show from the beginning yeah. that uh, we kind of went off script <laughs> a lot because he was so brilliant improvising. Yeah. yeah. You said that he was the one person in the cast that could kind of work without a net and mm -hmm. <laughs> play around with the script. Right. And, and it kind of backfired on you a little bit because he, he, he was the one guy who could also get you to break character and I crack know, up. <laughs> I know, I know. Poor Harvey, who, God bless him, I, I miss him. Yeah. Uh, he was a consummate comedic actor, you know, and he 
prided himself on, on being that. But when Conway got a hold of him, Harvey <laughs> could not control himself. Now, did you guys ever get your revenge on Tim? On Tim? Yeah. Well, Vicki Lawrence, our, our darling Vicki, we were doing a, a family sketch, you know, where Vicki played Mama right. and I'm Eunice. Right. And we were doing a sketch where we were playing the game Password. And Tim was my partner. He, he played Mickey, uh, who was a character in, in the family sketches. And uh, so he, at this one time, started improvising with a password that and uh, talking about an elephant in the circus. And he went on and on and on, which it had not been planned, on and on and on. And I'm trying to keep it together, you know, and the audience is laughing, and Tim's just roll, on a roll. <laughs> I guess I can say this to you, or maybe you can bleep it, but oh. anyway, so, no, and I'm it. trying to give the password to Vicky and say, here, Mama, you go now, Mama, you know, come on, Mama, <laughs> and Tim's a, finally, Vicky says, you sure that little asshole's finished? <laughs> oh my goodness! The audience screamed. The, uh, the stagehands went crazy. The cameramen were screaming, and even Tim. She got Tim. Yeah, yeah. I, that was one of my favorites. The mm -hmm. family sketches, and then you had a spinoff series of it. Yes, that was Mama's family. Mama's family. I love that. Yeah, but apparently, Cary Grant hated that. Why Cary did Cary Grant, Grant hate I, the family? He, uh, I was at a dinner party at Dinah Shore's house, and Cary was there, and I had met him beforehand, and uh, he got to talking about some of the sketches that he loved. See, he loved slapstick. Okay. Because, you know, in, in his early movies, he was a tumbler, and he could take yeah. pratfalls and all kinds of stuff, you know, and he said... But one exception, I don't like that family. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, you know, he said, they're just so unattractive and yelling at people and no, 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 you know. And uh, I, said, I, I, I said, well, a lot of people like, you know, kind of like it. And he said, well, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> but as he was leaving that night, he kissed me on the cheek and he said, I hope I didn't you know, upset you. And I said, absolutely. Oh. No, he was so sweet. And then like a week later, I'm getting a manicure and uh, from this Russian woman manicurist. And she says to me, you know that family you do? <laughs> I said, yes. She said, I love that family. It reminds me of my family in Russia. <laughs> so oh, I guess wow. there's no, no accounting for taste. <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> That's such a Cary Grant-like thing to say, I feel like. Yeah. You know? I can completely picture him, that not being his yeah. cup of tea. Well, yeah, yeah he, he was very sophisticated, but he loved uh, he Slaps loved physical cut. comedy. Yeah. Okay. Loved it when I fell out of a window or walked into a wall or fell what? downstairs or anything. He, he loved that. That sounds vaguely misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> well, he used to do that in, in some yeah. of his early movies. You know, he would take big pratfalls. Yeah, and you took quite a few tumbles. Did yes, you ever, I did. You never hurt yourself? I got bruises here and yeah. there, but I never, knock on wood, I never <laughs> broke anything, which is kind of amazing because... Yeah. Nobody ever taught me how to do it. I taught myself. Yeah, you did all your own stunts. Yeah. Wow. Well, like in the Gone with the Wind, uh, you know, where she gets slapped yeah. and, and falls down those stairs. <laughs> I fell down those stairs six times that oh day because we <laughs> did, it was always twice within the sketch. And we did the run through, the dress rehearsal, and then the air show. Wow. So six times tumbling down those stairs. 
You're and dedicated I to your craft. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, you had such a fantastic ensemble. Yes. Um, you had, like we said, Tim Conway, Harvey Corman, Lyle Wagner. Later, you had Dick Van Dyke on the show. Mm -hmm. And of course, there was Vicki Lawrence, who I think everyone thought was your sister. I know as a kid, did, I yeah. did. Yeah. Um, you gave her her first big break. How mm -hmm. did you discover Vicki? Well, Vicki wrote me a fan letter when she was 17. <laughs> and we uh, were planning. The, I got the letter the last week of 1966. And we were planning our show, which would premiere in September of 1967. And we had talked about uh uh, maybe a recurring sketch where Harvey and I would be a married couple raising my kid sister. So I get this letter from this girl and uh, I read it and it was very intelligently written. She's getting ready to graduate from high school and she said everybody says uh, that she reminds them of a young Carol Burnett and she included uh, a newspaper article. She was from Inglewood, California and this newspaper article was about her local newspaper um, being in the Miss Fireball of Inglewood contest. And <laughs> in the article, there was a photograph of her. And I thought, my gosh, that, she looks more like me at 17 than I did. And, I, and then I read, you know, reading the article that she was going to be in this contest, I looked at the date and it was a very, gotta be that very night, but I got the letter that afternoon. <laughs> Because she had mailed it to CBS maybe three weeks before, and it finally got to me at home. And I thought, well, I wonder. And then I decided that my husband and I would go see the Miss Fireball contest, but I wanted to call Vicki first and make sure yeah. she'd be comfortable and I wouldn't make her nervous. And so her father's name was listed in the article, Howard Lawrence Inglewood. So I got the information, and I got the phone number, and I called her. And we went to see the show. And she won the contest. It was her nine girls or something like that. And uh, so the following, then they asked me, they saw me in the audience to come up and crown Miss Fireball. <laughs> and uh, so I just said, well, we'll be in touch, you know. And so the following summer, we got a hold of her and had her come and audition for us uh, to read the part of the kid sister. And there was another girl who had a lot of experience, but I I could see something in Vicky, even though she had no major experience at all. And so we hired her, and boy did she! I say she, she started blossomed. out as my kid sister and wound up being my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the network kind of resisted a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they did. But yeah. she grew into she, it, and you said Harvey uh, helped her learn Harvey was comedy and improvisation. He was wonderful with yeah. her. He would, uh, he taught her. He said, "Don't just wait for your cue. You have to listen to the other actor and mm -hmm. all of that." And he taught her accents and all kinds of things like that. You know, and Vicky, uh, Vicky was a sponge. She just absorbed it, and then boy, did she come through. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back to talk more with the remarkable Carol Burnett when we come back in just a moment. If you're loving my conversation with the great Carol Burnett, you should check out her wonderful new book, In Such Good Company, 11 Years of Laughter, Mayhem, and Fun in the Sandbox. And right now, you can download the audio version of her book for free, with a special promotion just for our listeners from audible.com. 
Just go to audibletrial.com slash kickassnews for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook download, which can be in such good company, 11 years of laughter, mayhem, and fun in the sandbox by Carol Burnett, or any of Audible's 180,000 titles. That's audibletrial.com slash kickassnews. Or click on the sponsor link in our webpage to download the free audiobook of your choice. And now, back to the show. You did something that would probably seem unusual today. You were your, kind of your own warm-up act. Yes. And you would go out in front of the audience before the performance portion began and take questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk yeah. about working without a net. Yeah. Were you or the network ever nervous about just throwing it out to the audience like that? And I was ha- at And not first. having a comeback or not knowing what they might say? That's true. Well, but see, we were taped, so if somebody, right. you know, so we, we had, that was, I did have a net, yeah. you know. But uh, I, at first I balked big time. I said, no, yeah. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that or anything. And uh, the producer, uh, executive producer, Bob Banner, said, Look, it really would be great if you would come out as yourself before you get into all the wigs and the frights, you know, the (laughs) the fat suits and all of that, so that people will get to know you. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, okay, but um, if it doesn't work, let's let's not do it. I'll do it. I'll try it for three weeks or something like that. And the first show, I was pretty nervous. It's, I'll bet. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was afraid nobody would ask a question. Then I was afraid somebody would, and I wouldn't have a snappy answer or yeah. whatever. you know. But after about two or three weeks, once the audience had seen the show, they, they knew got it. they got yeah. it. So they started coming prepared. We never had a plant, never a pre-planned question ever. Okay. And, wow. but, and now I've... I've the past 20 years, I've been going around the country every so often, and I do 90 minutes of Q&A oh, wow. in theaters across the country. And I think one time you had a woman who submitted a song to you, and yep. you did it later, and then you had another woman who just wanted to sing, yep. and you just let her go up there yeah. right then yeah. and there. Oh, it, uh, <laughs> you couldn't write that stuff. It yeah. was really fun. Yeah. There's a great story in the book about how you played a prank on the crew in the sound booth during the <laughs> Q&A. Uh, how did you get them? Well, what happened was lots of times, you know, in Q&A, I would all improvised, and somebody would ask a question and uh sometimes before i could answer the stage hands and the cameraman would be laughing i'm wondering <laughs> uh oh they're saying something in the booth because they all had earpieces where they could hear what was going on in the booth and i realized that sometimes the booth would be talking back and uh, making a crack or something about you know one of the questions so this one time I decided I'm going to get one of those earpieces so I can hear what's going on in the booth when I'm out there doing Q&A. So I had Bob Mackey, our costume designer, make me a dress with a turtleneck, Yeah. right, way way high. And then I got one of the earpieces and I put it in my ear and I combed my hair over it and the wire went down into the turtleneck so nobody could see that I was wearing an earpiece so now I hear uh, uh, I I can hear the booth I'm in the wings waiting to go on right 
and I'm hearing, okay, five, four, three, two, cue Carol, okay. And I'm, I realize, yeah, I can hear what's going on now. So I get out, and so one, one in the audience said, um, when are you going to make a movie? So I hear the director say, well, who the hell cares? <laughs> you know, for themselves, you know. And then I paraphrased his answer. I said, oh, I'd love to, but who the heck would care? Now they what they laughed they, because it was they thought it was a coincidence. coincidence. Then somebody said, "Would you do the Tarzan yelp?" <laughs> and I heard Dave Powers, our director, say, "Oh God, this is about the thousandth time she's gotten that question." And then I said, "Oh, I'd love to, but you know, I must have been doing this a thousand times." <laughs> now they know. Uh oh, she's got an earpiece. You know, come on. And so they get Pat Kenny, who was on camera for. They go find, get get behind, look look for the earpiece, and of course I'm playing it very straight, like I can't hear what they're saying, and it was kind of tough because they were yelling at me at one point, yeah. you know, and I'm just I was very cool with it, and yeah, it oh was my God, oh it was such fun. and on the way home, my husband who was a co-producer, uh, he said, were you wearing an earpiece? I said, what are you talking about? So I never admitted it. Oh man. You weren't like Joan Crawford. You weren't like the lady boss barking orders and no. you didn't demand a lot of rewrites and stuff. You said that you pretty much stayed out of the writer's room and you didn't fight too much for, you know, changes to skits or well, things I, like that. Actually, if there was see in those days, uh, Jackie Gleason or Milton Berle, mm -hmm. you know, if a sketch wasn't working, they'd get with the right side, you guys, this stinks. Yeah. You know, come on. Yeah. Make it better. Well, in those days, if a woman did that, she would not be considered very nice. Right. You know, the B word. And yeah. so I would tiptoe around it. And if a sketch wasn't working, I'd call the writers into the rehearsal hall and say, can you guys help me out here? I'm not doing this very mm -hmm. well. Can you give me maybe another? Can you think of another yeah. line that I could say better? Yeah. And that was the way we did it. You did mention in the book that I guess... Uh, sometimes you got talked into sketches that you really didn't want to do. Yeah. Was there ever one that you got talked into that you wish you had put your foot down on? Yeah, that was one where I was going to sing a song and we had a whip artist <laughs> who was going to whip off parts of my clothing. That made it past the censors? <laughs> that, oh, well, no, but I would be left with wearing funny underwear. Ah, you okay. know, so that was okay. And But he, was a, he wasn't very good at uh, being a whip artist. And so in the first show... Uh, he nicked my shoulder. Oh. Yeah. And I drew a little blood, and I had to put a, a Band-Aid on it for the second show. I went out like a fool to do the second show. <laughs> and this time, the, the premise was he would be whipping off parts of my costume yeah. during the song. And then the very end of the song, there was, he would, there was one place where he would whip, and the whole skirt would fall off, and I'd be finishing the song in this funny-looking underwear. The second show... Unfortunately, he whipped off everything at the beginning. Oh, <laughs> so, so you had no, I, you had I, no I, gag. No, no gag at all. And I just stood there singing the whole song in this funny underwear. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. Um, and, of course, you have probably everyone's favorite is the Gone with the Wind parody. Yeah. How did the Scarlett O'Hara dress come about? That's Bob Mackey's genius. Okay. A costume great designer. Bob Mackey. Yeah, um, it was a brilliant sketch. Actually, it was 20 minutes long, and we really yeah. touched on every subject in the original movie. 
and but uh, they had written that I would come down the stairs, you know, make, after having made a dress from the draperies, uh, but with the draperies just hanging on me. <laughs> and Bob Mackey said, you know, that's not that funny. You know, we've got to do something else there. So I went into the costume fitting that Wednesday, and we were going to tape on a Friday. And Bob said, I have an idea. Come on, come in here. And there it was with the curtain rod. I <laughs> fell on the floor. I said, this is going to be one of the funniest sight gags ever in the history of television. Yeah. And it was. That costume is in the Smithsonian now. <laughs> you know, poor Bob Mackey, this brilliant artist of a costume designer. And that's probably the dress he will be most known that's for. That's what he said. He, he says it'll probably be on his tombstone. <laughs> yeah. You know, he designed 60 to 70 costumes a week. Wow. Everything you saw on the show, up with the dancers wore, the guest stars, the, all the sketches. He created the looks yeah. for Eunice and Mrs. Wiggins and everything, uh, designed the wigs, everything. And I added it up. I just said, okay, let's say average 65 a week. Yeah. 276 shows. Comes to over 17,000 costumes in 11 years oh that God. he designed. Oh, my God. I, I don't know of anybody else who has ever accomplished yeah. so, and did it so beautifully. Yeah. And I'm amazed at the pace you guys maintained. And you kept a pretty normal kind of nine-to-five schedule. Was great. A lot of people forget Half of the show was musical numbers because mm -hmm. those got cut out in syndication. That's so right. most, many generations probably think it was just a sketch show. Right. And you would do that. So you have rehearsals, you have script meetings, you have choreography. choreography. Yeah, yeah, music, yeah. Uh, everything. Yeah. And uh, it's. Uh, My God. But we did it like a. It was kind of like putting on a live. Well, it's like summer stock. I was going to say, it's like, hey, kids, let's put on a put show. Put on a show. You <laughs> rehearse it for a week and you do it. Yeah. You know, and uh, and most of us came from a theater background. So yeah. we did. We seldom had to stop or do pickups or anything like that. You yeah. Know, I, I wanted it to have that live feeling. And that's what we got. Yeah. And you had this amazing array of guest stars. Yeah. Do you have a particular favorite or one that was a childhood hero? And you're well, like, I, I had a few of those. Yeah. Them. I mean, because yeah. I was raised, uh, my grandmother and I used to go to movies when I was growing up in the 40s. And I, sometimes I saw as many as eight movies a week. Wow. Because they were double features and we'd go. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we'd go on yeah. a Saturday and a Sunday and, you know, so. And um, so I grew up watching Betty Grable. Rita Hayworth, yeah, uh, Bing Crosby, uh, you know, unbelievable. So when they came on my show, I was I was pretty starstruck, you know, and uh, that that was wonderful to have to, you know, grow up in there. Now you're working with the people that you fell in love with as a kid. Yeah, what a treat! And now as the regulars, uh, guest stars, Steve Lawrence was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you know. In fact, uh, he, he was one of my favorite um, guests doing sketches. And, you know, he's a great singer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so when we went into syndication, you know, and all the music was cut out, Steve said that one time he and his wife, Edie uh, Gourmet, were in an airport, and these teenage girls ran up to him and said, oh, you're that funny guy on the Burnett show. Oh, that's they had great. No that must have idea. thrilled them. They had no idea he could sing. Yeah. You know, and Bernadette Peters was uh, the first guest we ever signed. Wow. And Ken Berry was always a yeah. wonderful yeah. regular, you know. Yeah. So we had yeah. some terrific, terrific guests. Yeah. And, 
you know, again, you had such a great ensemble cast yeah. as the regular cast. You know, at, I guess Harvey Corman apparently could be a little bit of a pain every now and then. <laughs> he uh, could get into a mood. Apparently, yeah. I didn't realize this. At one point, you fired him, sort of. <laughs> what what happened oh, there? Oh, well, uh, he he was in a bad mood this one Friday morning when we were uh, doing a pre-tape thing. And he kind of snapped at the, one of our guests. Oh. You know, I mean, he, he, he didn't snap, but he was rude, yeah. you know. And I went up to I said, Harvey, you know, he can snap at me because we could always get him out of it because he was <laughs> it could turn him on a dime yeah. and then he'd be his wonderful self. And I said, you can't do it. He said, well, I'm just not happy. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm not happy doing this. I said, oh, OK. And so we went and taped the show and I said, I want to see you after the show. So I went to his dressing room and I said, you're really unhappy. And he said, yes, I am. I mean, he was. He, having a bad day yeah. I said okay then don't come back don't come back next week you're off the show and he said what are you talking about I said well you're not happy here I said and you know you can snap at me and and Vicky and you know because we we love you and we we know you're gonna change on a dime anyway and be your but you can't do that to a guest yeah and he said but I have a contract I said well you know <laughs> you and now it's bluff yeah then I said well are you asking for a reprieve <laughs> and he said yeah yes I am I'm sorry I said okay well I'll tell you what next Monday when we all get together to start rehearsing the next show when I see you I want you to skip and whistle down the hall at CBS <laughs> so that Monday I was headed for the ladies room uh, before we were going to do our script reading, the elevator door opened and Harvey stepped out and we just stared at each other for a moment. And then he went <laughs> and started whistling and skipping down the hall. I cracked up. And so uh, that following week, I had a plaque made up and put it on his dressing room door, Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky. And he loved to tell that story to people about how I fired him. How funny. He got a big kick out of it, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, at least there's no hard feelings, I None. guess. None. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely no hard feelings now. But yeah, poor, but, uh, poor uh, no, guy. We, we, what a genius. Oh, he was. Yeah. He was. Comedic yeah. genius. Yeah. Now, you know, again, you talk about in the book the difference between television today versus then when the format was musical variety and everything was done in front of a live studio audience, you had a full orchestra. The writers were old mm -hmm. school showbiz writers as opposed to like some young kid fresh out of Harvard. Right. Um, are you at all in between us a little nervous about getting no. into TV after so, no. so much has changed? No. Well, I just, uh, I think I'm going to put my foot down now that I, I can. <laughs> I don't want a lot of interference from networks. In yeah. the network, I, I don't know how we're going to deal with it, but uh, you know we we did very well before, and some of these suits they don't know comedy for you know, right. You're going to tell yeah. yeah so uh, yeah. I, and, yeah, and in your day the network pretty much backed off. They were right? terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be exciting. Um, before we wrap up here, treat me like a young kid who's just coming to Hollywood and asking for some advice. Do you have any secrets or rules for comedic timing or sketch I don't think comedy there, that you live by? Uh, I don't think there are any rules that you can say. Yeah. You, you either have it or you haven't. But what helps is getting practice. Yeah. Definitely, you know. But uh, I think you're born with timing. Mm -hmm. 
but you can certainly improve. Yeah. You know, and uh, also another thing about tr trying out and auditioning, uh, I I was lucky enough when I went to New York to get some sort of an idea in my head that okay, well for instance I auditioned for a Broadway show small part and it was narrowed down to me and another girl and I thought I had it but I didn't and she got it but thank God I felt I said you know what it's her turn hmm. it's not my turn yeah so that kept me from being discouraged and I say this to young people say if you if you you got to have the fire in the belly mm -hmm. you know to want to oh, do yeah. this but if you get uh, turned down for something don't be discouraged because it just wasn't your turn yet it was yeah. the other person's turn and that is that really helped me yeah yeah well again the book is called in such good company 11 years of laughter mayhem and fun in the sandbox and it's a blast to read carol burnett i completely adore you oh, thank and thank you, you so much for taking time to talk to me thank you Isn't she just wonderful? Thanks again to the delightful and charming Carol Burnett for joining me, and I wish her the very best on her new TV pilot. I, for one, can't wait to see it. If you enjoyed today's podcast, then you can order her book, In Such Good Company, 11 Years of Laughter, Mayhem, and Fun in the Sandbox on Amazon. Or you can download the audio version for free, through that special trial offer just for our listeners at audibletrial.com slash kickassnews. Reruns of The Carol Burnett Show air in syndication on MeTV, and Time Life has released box sets of The Carol Burnett Show on DVD, which you can order at timelife.com. Be sure to subscribe to Kickass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. You can visit Kickass News on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at at KA Politics. And please be sure to recommend Kickass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com/kickassnews. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnews.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News. Kickass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.